Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of Servant's Heart Chapel. I hope uh, this particular episode is a special blessing to you. So let's get right to it. Praise the Lord. Praise God. It is good to have all of you here today. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be gathered together. I don't know about you, but I've got a lot going on in my life. A lot of pressure. A lot of things I'm concerned about. And I've been spending a lot of time with God, seeking His His help and His guidance praying for our church, praying for uh, our community, praying for my family. Isn't it wonderful that we have a God who cares? He cares about you. This morning when you first woke up, you probably didn't think about God, but he thought about you. We were, uh, last week, we were preaching in, in Acts chapter 20. And I actually prepared to preach Acts 20 and 21, uh, having no idea how much material I had actually put together because we only got through the first 16 verses of Acts chapter 20. So we're going to begin with verse 17 today. This is a farewell address from Paul to the Ephesian elders. So these are the church leaders of the church in Ephesus. And he's going to see them for the last time. He's leaving and he knows he will never see them again. So he has some things that's on his heart that he wants to share. Now we find in this passage there are two primary themes. The first is the importance of the church. Why why church is important. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about why church leaders are important. And church leaders who love God and, and have the right attitude and It's important not just to have church leaders, but the right church leaders. Verse 17, now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. So Paul was in Miletus, and so they called the church elders to him. Verse 18, and when they came to him, he said to them, You know, from the first day I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, and with the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews. 
So Paul was serving God. What do you think it means to serve God with humility? It means to serve the Lord knowing that I don't have all the answers. I don't have everything figured out. I, I don't have all the power to, to, to make happen whatever I want to happen in life. I'm not that bright. I'm not that good. I need God's help. That's serving with humility. It's an awareness of truly who you are. You don't make excuses for yourself. You don't rationalize sin. You serve God with humility. And with tears. We serve God with tears in two different ways. We, we serve God by shedding tears for others. When something is, when we're praying about something and it's really important to us, tears come. If it really matters, tears come. And you know, God takes that very seriously. The Bible says that God bottles our tears. He keeps track of our tears. Did you know that? And so when we, when we, when we pour our house, our, when we pour our hearts before God and we serve Him with tears, that's what it's talking about. And it also means there, there's things in life when we're trying to do what's right and there's people that try to hurt us, right? We're going to talk about our enemies. People try to hurt us, and it hurts, and it can cause tears. But I'm going to do what's right no matter what. I remember years ago, I was in a church in Florida. I was assistant pastor there, and there was some inappropriate use of money in the church. And I was asked by the, the conference president, Brother Hestrom, some of you remember him. Brother Hestrom asked me to look into it. And find out what's going on. Because it involved the pastor, his wife actually. And, and so I, 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 I did my job and I, I, was, I was looking into things, looking at the church finances, looking at the bank statements, going to people, asking them questions about different things. And there was a lot of hate towards me. There was gossip going around. Lies were being told. And that hurt. I love those people. I wanted to do right by them. I wanted to serve them as an assistant pastor. And because I was put in this very difficult position to look into some mishandling of finances, I was vilified and it broke my heart. Especially when I found out about the lies. That hurt. That lies were being told about me. And, and I remember one day, uh, we were leaving the church, and Missy was in tears. Her heart was broken, and she was like, I don't want to go back. And I said, we can't. We can't leave. I, had a I feel like I had a responsibility to God to hold the line and do what's right no matter how hard it hurt. And so that's what we serve God with our tears. That's what Paul was doing. And, with the, and it says, with the trials that came, what trials? Paul was beaten. Did you know that? He was beaten with rods. He was put in prison. They threw rocks at him to the point where they thought for sure he was dead. He wasn't, but they thought he was dead. They wanted to kill him. 
and they and they and they uh, may continue to make life difficult on him. All these trials, he served God, and we serve God the same way. There's trials in our life that God puts in our that God allows in our path, and we serve the Lord by holding on and doing what's right, no matter how hard it is. Verse 20, and Paul said, I did not shrink back from proclaiming to you anything that was profitable or from teaching to you it to you in public and from house to house. Paul said, I didn't shrink back. That means I didn't hold off on doing something that was hard or I was things I knew would cause a pain later down the road because it was the right thing to do. Sometimes it's hard telling the truth. Sometimes it's hard being the only person. I had I, one friend of mine. He uh, he God saved him out of alcohol, and 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 he so he I uh, he was an alcoholic and God saved him from that, and his his family were big drinkers. And and so they would, every time he was around them, they would continually make it difficult on him. Every time, and, and, and anything religious, they made it hard. They always planned the family reunions on a Sunday. So he had to choose between going to church or going to the family reunion. How cold is that? And and every time they were, you know, they tried to get him a drink. And and try to make things difficult on him, and um, that's that. Uh, but he held the line, and continued to be an example to his family, no matter what. And God blessed him for that. Verse twenty-one: I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God. And faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now I'm on my way to Jerusalem, bound in my spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there. <clears throat> Paul is saying, I have to go to Jerusalem, and I know it's not going to be good, but I feel like this is what God wants, and I have to do it. Verse 23, except in that town, and that, except that in town after town, the Holy Spirit testifies to me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. Paul knows that sometime soon he's going to end up in chains. He's going to end up suffering of some kind. Paul was trying was seeking out God's will. How do we find God's will in our lives? How do we know?
There's four different primary ways in which God, which we seek out God's will. First off is, is God's word, the Bible. We need to read the Bible and know the Bible. That's, that's a one way, primary way, how you learn God's will for your life is by studying the Bible. And you, you don't want to just gloss through it. You want to take your time. The first thing you want to do is read to understand. That's important. When you read a passage, read it and make sure you understand what it's saying. I had one young lady not too long ago say, well, sometimes I read a verse and I don't quite understand it. And I said, well, sometimes you need to read a whole chapter in order to understand what that verse is saying. And sometimes, by the way, you need to read the surrounding chapters of a, of a chapter to understand what that chapter is saying. You need to read the chapter before and the chapter after to really get the context and really understand. It's important to understand. Because you can take Scripture, if you just pick and choose in Scripture, you can end up believing something that is completely untrue. Did you know that? Take scripture out of context. There's one passage that talks about Judas hanging himself, committing suicide. And another passage that says, Go and do thou likewise. Well, if you take those scripture passages out of context, you can think the Bible is encouraging people to commit suicide. That's not at all what the Bible says. We need to understand it. And then once you understand it, you need to think to take time to think about. What the Bible says. The Bible talks about meditation. Meditative. Christian meditation is where you're thinking about something. Thinking about a truth. Like the, the, the proverb, we're studying Proverbs in, in, in Connection Group now. And, and, and one of the early uh, verses says, pay attention to what your parents tell you. Listen to what they tell you. And you could read that passage and say, okay, listen to my dad, listen to my mom. What does that mean to me? How, how have I not listened to my parents or listened to my parents? And what have the repercussions been in my life because of that? That's thinking about a truth in the Bible. Then you then you want to pray about it. You want to talk to God about it. And finally, after you've done that, you want to apply it to your life. How can I apply the truth in this passage to my life? Make it part of who I am, how I interact with people. Maybe you uh, read the passage, love your enemy. Love your enemy. Did you know the Bible says that? Love those who persecute you and despitefully use you. You know anybody like that? You know anybody that persecutes you like on social media or uses you every time they get the opportunity? The Bible says we're supposed to love them. Well, first I want to understand what that means. 
one thing we know that's not romantic love we're talking about. It's a godly love. I want, I'm going to show kindness and mercy to you no matter how you treat me. That's godly love. And so I'm going to love my enemies. I'm going to love those who hate me and are, 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 are rude and, and, and I say lies about me. I'm going to try to love them. Well, I think, so I, I, I understand that passage, right? And then I think about it and I think of what all it means. And I think about all the people over the years who have acted as enemies towards me and how I've responded to that. Because I tell you, I have not always loved my enemies. I've tried to hurt my enemies the best way I could. And it never brought any long-lasting peace or satisfaction. The world will tell you revenge is fantastic. It's good to get revenge. There's lots of movies about revenge. But they never tell you Revenge never brings satisfaction. It never actually brings justice, a sense of justice in your life. So you think about it, and then loving your enemies. Well, I'm going to pray about it. God, you know that I haven't been loving to my enemies. You know, right now, maybe I have somebody who, who, is, who is acting as an enemy to me, and I'm going, help me to love him. Help me to feel love for this man. There's a story about uh, a young man whose uh, stepfather killed his mother, murdered her. And when he became, the young man became a Christian, he determined that he was not only going to forgive his stepfather, but he was going to befriend him. This man who murdered his mother. And everybody was like, oh no, it's going too far. You just need to forgive him. You don't need to be his friend too. And he said, no, that's not what the Bible says. And so he became a friend to this man and had a wonderful impact on this, uh, this guy's life. We pray about it, God help me, and then finally apply it to our life. Well, next time so-and-so says something mean on Facebook, uh, I'm going to respond with love. And I tell you, they don't know what to do but with it. I had someone um, heckle my daughter on Facebook. A grown man who, who really should know better. He didn't agree with what my daughter said. Honestly, I don't agree with some of stuff my daughter says. That's the way it is with family. You don't always agree with everybody. But this guy was, was being rude to her and mean, mean-spirited. So I commented, we may not agree on everything, but I still love you. He didn't know what to do with that. At first he was confused. Like, what do you mean? I said, just what I said. We don't agree on everything. There's some things we don't agree on. But even so, I still love you. And boy, it made him angry. Why? Because he wanted to fight. People were putting angry faces on my comment. Other, other family members of his.
I'm going to respond. I don't care what you do. I'm not going to, I'm going to protect my family. I'm not going to let people hurt my family. But I'm never going to react. Lord, help me. I'm never going to react in an unchristlike manner. I'm going to respond with love. Loving your enemies. That's applying it. I started applying that when I was younger. I became a, a serious Christian uh, in my, when I was 17 years old. Um, I remember when I was 19, I was working in a warehouse, and there was a guy in the warehouse that was working there, an older man. And he got mad at me and just started, just blew up. Just started screaming and cussing and all this stuff. And I looked at him and I said, are you okay? Is everything okay? Is, is everything all right? And he looked at me and, and, and I said, I, I'm sorry for what I did. I, I didn't mean to, to cause you problems. And I left it at that. Well, he came back to me later and he said, I'm sorry for blowing up at you. Yeah, there is stuff going on. My daughter's this is going on, and my family, this is going on, and all kinds of stuff. You never know. See, I took a biblical truth, and I thought about it, I understood it, I prayed about it, and I applied it to my life. And that's what, that's what you do as a Christian. You make it part of who you are, and you watch the transformation take place. It is really, honestly, it's a lot of fun. So that's, we determine the will of God by reading the Bible. We also determine the will of God through prayer. I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what what the direction God wants me to go. Well, you need to pray about it. And prayer, people like, I don't know how to pray. Well, prayer mind you, is more than just giving some long oration. I think when we pray in church, it gives people a false sense of what prayer is. Because we pray in public in church, right? One person usually says a bunch of words. Everybody agrees with that. Says, yes, Lord. Amen. By the way, amen means let it be so. Did you know that? Let it be so. And so everybody agrees in prayer. But prayer is more than just having words to say and thank God because sometimes you don't have the words. Sometimes you get before God and you're like, God, I I don't have words. I don't know what to say about this. I'm at a loss. So then there's, there's what the Bible calls meditation where you just think about things. David said in Psalms, Lord, uh, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O God. So we think about things. And we think, and and when we we tell God what's on our heart, that's prayer. Prayer, uh, also a big part of prayer, is waiting, waiting on God. Sometimes, God will, well, God's going to answer your prayer, but it isn't always in the time fashion that, that you're, you're ready. God, answer my prayer right now. 
I need it right now, God. And God's saying, no, it's going to be tomorrow or next week or next month or later in the year. Who knows? God knows. God knows what's best for you. And if you learn, and I pray each and every one of you to develop an experience with God to where you have, you trust Him. Do you trust God? Where you trust Him and you say, I don't know what's going on now. It's beyond my control, but God is in control. And Lord, I trust you. God always has our back. I'll tell a story I've told before, but uh, Hashanah and Chris haven't heard it yet, so we're all good. I was uh, a senior airman. I think I was about your age, Chris. Uh, and I got tasked to go to Korea for a year. I was in the military, and I was going to go to Korea for an entire year. My family had to stay behind. I couldn't take them with me. And a few days before I was going to go on my trip, I determined I would need about $100 to travel. I already had the plane ticket, but I needed another $100 for travel to fly from Florida to South Korea. $80 was just for the cab fare in South Korea. It was going to cost me 80 bucks to go from the airport to the base. So $20 was for food for the next 24 plus hours of travel. So if I remember right, it's like a 17-hour flight alone. So just, just from L.A. to or Seattle to uh, South Korea. <clears throat> so a few days before, I knew I would need $100. I looked in our bank account, and we had a little over $100. And I, and I, I knew we just went grocery, shop, grocery shopping, so we had food. I knew the, the car's tank was full of gas, and I knew I would get paid a couple days after I left. So I knew Missy and the kids were okay. So I was going to take that $100 out. Before I could, a business charged our bank $100. And so I called them, and they apologized. They made a mistake. They apologized. We're going to put the money back. Sorry about that. Well, it takes a couple of days. It takes three days for the transfer back. So it wouldn't get back in time. So here I was two days before I was supposed to leave, and, and I don't have $100. I need $100. And you know, I, I didn't even think to pray about it because I just felt like, I felt like it was going to be okay. I didn't worry about it. I told Missy about it. And at the time, Missy was very, very shy. She didn't hardly talk to anybody. So she didn't tell anybody about it. And I didn't tell anybody about it. We went to church the day before I was supposed to leave. And this, this elderly woman walked up to me. And she said, I'm 94 years old. And God is always taking care of me. Isn't that wonderful? And I said, yes, ma'am, it is. And she handed me an envelope. And I took the envelope and I thanked her. And she walked away. And I opened the envelope. And there was $100 in the envelope. God takes care of us. 
And so that waiting, that's very difficult at first. And in part, different parts of your life, it can be challenging. But you're going to learn as you walk with God that He's got your back. If you just trust Him and wait and don't jump. Anytime you jump the gun and, and do something anyways, God, I, you're, I, nothing's happening, so I'm not taking it in my own hands. You're going to mess it up every single time. So that's prayer. Determine the will of God from the Bible, from prayer. Number three, from common sense. God is not a God of foolishness. And so you can determine, you've you got to use common sense to gauge whether something is God's will or not. Nothing, God will never ask you to do anything that's against the Bible. There was a, there, when I first went to Bible college, when I decided to live for the Lord, I was in Phoenix. I grew up in Phoenix. All my friends were either gang members or stoners. And I decided to live for the Lord, and God called me to a, a small Bible college in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I attended there. And there was another man there, an older man. He was already married. He was in his mid or late 20s, I assume, I'm thinking. And he felt God called him to go to Bible college and get a, and, and get a, 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 a preaching degree. God was going to call him to ministry. This man, his wife, she was blind. She was dependent upon him. And he went to college. And, and I don't know. I don't think he had a job. I don't know how they had any money at all. But whatever they had wasn't sufficient. And life was very rough, especially for his wife. And she was so despondent about it. She attempted suicide at least once. What was wrong? What, what was wrong with him? He, he didn't follow this rule. God would never call us to do something that would cause danger and, and, and like that to our, our families. There's, you know, he, he, his primary responsibility as a husband is to take care of his wife and provide for her. That's his primary responsibility in life. That's my primary responsibility is provide for my family. And he dismissed that. I heard of a woman who, who felt like God was calling her to evangelism or she was going to travel all over, almost never home, and she had like three kids at home. And a husband who was, who was already working, so he became a single dad basically while she went off uh, and was gone most of the year in this travel. God wouldn't call people to do that. To violate your primary responsibility as a, as a husband, as a father, as a mother and wife, God would never call you to do that. All right. Fourth and final primary method of determining God's will is conviction. That, that feeling inside... You feel like this is what God, or God definitely wants me to stop doing this. God definitely 
doesn't I want or wants me to, to start doing something else brings conviction upon you. I'm going to wrap up today with, and we still didn't even get through chapter 20. But there's, there's three secondary methods of determining God's will. Circumstance, counsel, and peace. These aren't foolproof. That's one of the secondary methods. They're not foolproof. You want to follow and find God's will, you can use these, but just be aware your primary ones are first. So first one was 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 uh, circumstances, right? Where where things and I pray, God, if you don't want something to work out, please don't let it work out. Let it fall apart. And God has answered that prayer. And sometimes things just fall in perfectly into place, one thing after the other. And I know that gets to me it's a sign that something is God's will. When we started this church back in 2013. At the beginning, everything, for a long time, nothing happened. But when it got too close to the time where we needed to start, everything just started falling into place, one thing after the other. We've always had funds to, to, to pay for the church, by the way. Always. God has always provided. So that's circumstance. And then counsel. You go to men or women of God and, and seek counsel from them. Just be wary. They're not primary source. And they're human too. I remember at, when I was in college, I had a big decision to make. I don't even remember what the decision was. But I had two professors that I considered to be very godly men. And I went to each of them separately to get their opinion on my decision. I had, I had choice A and choice B. And one professor thought I should choose choice A. The other professor, I thought I should choose choice B. So I learned a good lesson. Just because you walk with God doesn't mean you're always going to know the, 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 the best decision on things. And finally, the, the last secondary method, peace. Peace in your heart. What does your heart tell you? You feel like the way you're going, things that you're clear with God, like this is where God wants you to go. I remember when I was getting ready to retire from the military, I, I, I knew that God wanted me to stay here and pastor this church, but I needed a job. And there was a job that seemed to be falling into place, but nothing was happening with it. So I was getting nervous as I got closer to my retirement date. And so I decided to, to go seek for work and not wait for this other job to open up, which I kind of felt, well, I didn't have peace with that. I did not have peace with, with seeking on my own. And so I, I decided, Lord, okay, I'm just going to leave it in your hands. And I did. And you know what? Right when I needed that job, it opened up. And I got it. Because God had a plan. So peace 
is another way of determining God's will. And with that, we're going to uh, wrap up for today. Hope you found something of value. Determining God's will from the Bible, from prayer, common sense, conviction, circumstance, counsel, and peace. If you took anything away today, I hope you took that. Here's how you determine God's will for your life. Let us stand. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at ServantsHeartChapel at gmail.com. Also, we have a website, ServantsHeartChapel.org. We also have a Facebook page, so you're welcome to check us out. Love to hear from you, prayer requests, anything you may need. We are here for you. Have a wonderful and blessed day.